Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. All right, good morning, everyone. And if you could take out your crosswalk notes, today we are back at it with the Coming Soon series where we'll be talking about the end times and specifically the last day. And today our topic is really honing in on when that last day is going to happen. So why don't you get out your Bibles, get out your crosswalk notes, and let's go to Mark chapter 13. And we're going to go from verses 32 to 37. So it says here, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to everyone, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Well, really, I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush because Jesus right away in in this first verse here gives away the, the title of our message. The one thing no one knows is when the last day is going to come. And he starts off by saying that not even the angels will know. It's kind of funny because we are used to to knowing that angels have been given certain rights and certain privileges by God. And sometimes it's it's knowing things that we don't know. The angel Gabriel went to Zechariah and to Joseph to tell them about the births of John the Baptist and of Jesus before anyone even knew that the women were pregnant. But not even Gabriel knows when this day is going to come. And then Jesus says that not even the son, not even he himself knows, but only God the Father. So I probably should have entitled this message the one thing that only God the Father knows because he is the one who knows when that day will come. He will decide. But now Jesus says that that he doesn't even know. Well, what we're told in, in the book of Philippians is that part of Jesus becoming a human being, part of him taking on human flesh was that he humiliated himself. And part of him humbling himself is that he denied himself certain privileges, certain divine powers at times. At times, Jesus let those shine through, but then at times he hid them. And this is a time where he willingly hid this power of knowing when the last day would come. And really, he says this all to us for an emphasis. The angels don't know. Even the son of God doesn't know, saying that no one is going to find out when this day comes until it does. Right now, the, uh, the the act of not knowing something, people deal with that differently, don't they? You know, it's Christmas time, and, and around the crosswalk office, we've been talking a little bit about Christmas presents, especially when we were kids, and and how that all played out. Now, when I was a kid, I never once wanted to find out what my presents were before Christmas Day came, because for me, the thrill was in in waiting, the suspense. And that day when, you know, you get up at 5 a.m. and wake your parents up and, uh, and get there, and then you rip open the, the, the wrapping paper to find out what it is. For me, that suspense and finding out what it was, that was even greater than, than getting the gift. But, you know, now that I've gotten older, it's, it's not the same anymore, is it? That, that suspense really is kind of, you know, worn down. You might even know always what you're going to get each Christmas. 
It's just not how it used to be. I don't really even look forward to surprises much anymore. It seems like I'm almost too busy for surprises, right? And well, let's, let's look at our next verse here because that's how some people actually have, that's their attitude about the last day, okay? So let's look here. 2 Peter 3, 3 to 4. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. You see, some people think that they won't be surprised by Jesus' second coming because simply they, they don't believe it will come. I mean, they say, look, look, at, look at my life, they say. I mean, every day, everything's the same. I get up, I drink my coffee, I read the paper, I go to work, I come home, play with my kids, I go to bed, and I do it all over again the next day. Nothing in my life tells me that anything is, is going to change. Certainly nothing is indicating that, that something as, as cataclysmic and earth-shattering as Judgment Day is going to come. I don't really believe that. What boat are you in? Because our first little fill-in here is that we are all guilty of, of not focusing enough on the last day. And let me explain myself a little bit. Is that for some of us in here, maybe we aren't going to be surprised because we don't believe that Jesus is coming back. And for some of us in here, we do believe that he is. But as it says in this verse... There might be some things that go on in our life every day that cloud that day for us, that cause us to never once think about heavenly things, to never once think about that day when he will come back. And then also, what does it say here in this verse about our evil desires? That sometimes we can focus in on ourselves and and what we want always, and that can cloud the issue that we only have, God willing, 80 or 90 years on this earth, and at one day we have eternity somewhere. Right? So we all don't focus enough on the last day. And I want you to do a little exercise here. I've got a couple lines written down in the crosswalk notes. I want you to take a couple moments, and I'll give you a couple moments of silence here. And I want you to think about any of those daily, routine, mundane things that you think you you might need to to, to give to God, to confess, that might get in the way of, of you having your eyes set on heavenly things. And also along with that, think about, is there any sin that you're struggling with? Is there any evil desire in your heart? Anything that you know that is not in line with God's will, that might be causing you to, to again, not think about heavenly things, not think about his second coming. So I'll give you a couple moments for that, and I'll do the same. Now you can finish up if you're not done, but these things that you've written down are all things that simply we, we have no excuses for, do we? They're things that we need to take to the foot of the cross and admit that we've messed up, admit 
that we need help. And we need to ask God to, to help us take our eyes off of these things, to help us get through them, and to focus on sometimes on that last day. But now let's flip it over on the other side of the coin. Some people deal with, with not knowing things in another way, right? We just talked about how some people, if, if they're not going to know, they just won't care. <laughs> They'll deny it. Okay, it's not going to happen. But for some people, it's the complete opposite. Now, you know, back to that story about in the office, we were talking about opening up Christmas presents, right? When we were kids. And I'm not going to mention any names, but a certain member of our crosswalk staff admitted that when she was a kid, her and her sisters would go down at the middle of the night and, and they would uh, open up their presents. So, you know, just for identity's sake, I don't want to get this person into trouble. So let's just call her Miss Katie, you know, so, so no one knows who she is. And this, this Miss Katie person, uh, middle of the night, admitted to going down uh, with her sisters and, and opening up her Christmas presents. And she was so good at it, she told us, that she knew exactly where the tape mark was. So she could put the tape right back. And her parents never found out. She said, don't tell that story. People think I'm a cheater or something. It's okay. Now, the fact is, for some people, for her and her sisters, it bugged them not to know. Not knowing what was in those Christmas presents, that's all they could think about. And so they had to find a way to find out. And for some people, that's how it is for the last day, especially when it's something that Jesus says that we're not supposed to know. How many of you like to be told that you're not supposed to know something? Sometimes it's, it's not something that we like. Oh, I'm not supposed to know it? Well, I'll, I'll show you. So when it comes to this, when Jesus is going to come, some people naturally make it up. So let's look at our next verse here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-3. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica here. And what was going on at this time is that there was all these wild sayings that they were saying that the Apostle Paul had told them that, that Jesus is, is going to come right now, which was a complete lie, a complete rumor. And these people, these Thessalonians, they were so alarmed and they were so afraid that Jesus was going to come any second that they stopped everything in their lives. They stopped their social activity. They stopped working. If, if some of you know the, the Bible passage, uh, if he does not work, he shall not eat. That comes from here where the Apostle Paul was addressing these people that they were stopping everything, working. They were stopping their lives. They stopped living because they were so in, in fear that the Lord was coming. Now, it's not just in the Thessalonian times that people have come up with false predictions of the world, right? I'm sure you could could think of some when, when people have predicted that the end is coming. I, I looked through some, uh, some statistics, and, and it seems that over 200, over 200 false predictions of when the end of the world would come came from the time of the Thessalonians to here, where, where, where more than, than a lot of people believe these predictions. And one of them was kind of interesting to me. In, in 1665, the bubonic plague, the Black Death, it was, it was in London. And by the end of the summer of 1665, 35% of the population of London had, had died. 
and this disease was, was really gaining steam. And so a lot of people thought that the next year, in 1666, the end of the world would definitely come because, A, this disease would wipe out everyone, they thought, and B, 1666 ends in 666, which is the number that represents the devil. Well, that date came and passed, nothing happened. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the uh, 2012 movie. That the Mayan prediction that in 2012, on December 21st, the winter solstice, that the end of the world is, is going to come. I guess there's this unquenchable thirst that if we don't know something, we, we have to figure out a way to, to make ourselves feel good about it. So the second little point here, the little fill-in says, some are guilty of focusing too much on when the last day will come. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about we want to be prepared for this day, but focusing in on when it will come is something that is futile because we don't know. Now, are you in that boat? Are you in the boat of focusing too much on when it will come? Now, I'm not saying that any of us are are going to strap on one of those sandwich board signs that says the end is near and and grab a megaphone and go to some public place yelling threats at people. Now, I don't think any of you will do that. However, I think it's a good thing to examine yourself right now and to say, you know, when I hear these false predictions, when I see this movie and and, and I hear all these things, do I somewhat maybe sort of believe them? Or do I doubt what Jesus says here that no one will know? Do I think, well, maybe somebody does know? Or when you think about the end of the world, are you like the Thessalonians and and, and you're, you're trembling a little bit and you're alarmed by it? I think it's really good to think about that. So our first point, basically, is that God simply says that Jesus will come. So for those who don't think that he will, he says he will. But no one can predict when that day will be. That's our first point. All right, let's go right away into our next verse, which has a lot to say here. And our next verse is on the back of the page, 2 Peter 3 8 to 10 it says here with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance but the day of the lord will come like a thief so let's start at the top here Part of the reason we'll never be able to figure out when this day is coming is because God's timing is so much different than ours. Do you you see here? It can either be much slower than ours, where a day is like a thousand years. Or it can be much quicker than ours, where a thousand years happen in God's sight as if it were one day. So try guessing his timing when he can be on, on either or. Right? And maybe some of you have experienced this in your life. Maybe... You have really prayed for something to happen. And you really want it to happen. You're waiting for God's answer. And maybe God's answer didn't come for what it seemed like a thousand years. And maybe the opposite happened. Maybe something good or bad happened a lot quicker than you thought it should or than you thought it would. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. God's timing is so much different than ours is as far as soon and late right well let's keep going here the lord is not slow in keeping his promise let's stop there 
Because these verses were written right after the verses that we, we just talked about, where it said people will come scoffing that the day of the Lord will come. And basically to scoff is to say that's not going to happen, to ridicule it. So God is saying the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some were saying, when is this day going to come? And so why is he not slow in keeping his promise? Well, what does he say? He's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, isn't that comforting? Isn't it reassuring to know that our God does not have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to judgment day? Because let's face it, when Jesus does come again, that's it. The believers and the unbelievers, Scripture says, will be separated. There's no more second chances to believe in him. There's no more time of grace. That's the final time. So isn't it comforting to know that our God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance? It kind of gives you a, a new aspect of each day, doesn't it? Now, I want you all, tomorrow, God willing, if you wake up in the morning and you see the sunrise, don't just think of it as another day. Think that really each day, as it says here, each day is an example of God giving humanity another chance. God giving people another chance to come to repentance, giving people another chance to become his children, giving you another chance to tell that person who doesn't know about Christ about him. And maybe some of you in here are a little uncertain about Jesus being your Savior. Maybe you're not convinced of that yet. And I want you to know that each day that you wake up is an example of God's unlimited love and patience for you. Because what does it say? He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Thank God that he is a patient God. But as it says in verse 10 here, at some point, God will pull the trigger, won't he? At some point, Jesus will come. It says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Meaning, unexpected. We'll be unaware. But now, let's look at what First Thessalonians says right underneath that. God says that the day will come like a thief. But what does it say here in First Thessalonians? But you, brothers... Are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Everyone who is a Christ follower has, is not living in darkness. We are enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So even though this day is going to come unexpectedly, we won't be surprised. Even though we don't know if it's going to come in the morning or at night or when the rooster crows, as it says in, in the verse, or at midnight, we know that it will come. Because, you know, a thief... A thief doesn't call you up and say, hey, I'll be, be over around 11. Is that, that cool? At least not a very good thief, right? God has told us, Jesus has told us that he is coming. He doesn't tell us when, but he tells us he is. So when he does finally come, we might be a little unaware, but then we'll say, oh, yeah. We won't be surprised like a thief because we know he's going to come. So our second point is that God's focus is on having as few surprised people as possible on the second coming of Jesus. And that's all good news. That's all gospel there. Because again, if someone is surprised, that means they don't believe in him. 
So his focus is on having as many people who will say, yeah, I knew he was coming as possible. Now, this series has been, uh, we've been doing this because we were celebrating the, the season of the end times in the church year. And traditionally, in the, in, the, in the church year, the season of Advent follows right after end times. And the word Advent even means coming, okay? Now, while the end times focuses on Jesus' second coming, Advent focuses on Jesus' first coming, which, which is Christmas. When he came, born of a woman... Born as, as human flesh. Now, the interesting thing is that we, we just were talk, talking about how when that day will happen, when the end of the world will come, is the one thing that no one knows. Now, I'm probably generalizing here, but I would say that Christmas, Jesus' first coming, is the one thing that everyone knows. We, we sent out a mailer for our, our Christmas Rock and Eve concert. And you know, we didn't even put on there, join us December 24th. We just put on there, join us Christmas Eve. Because we assume that everyone knows that it's on December 24th. And whether it's snowing in Minnesota or it's a balmy 95 degrees on Christmas Day in the Southern Hemisphere, because it's summer down there, Christmas happens on December 25th. That's when we celebrate it, right? But now... The funny thing is that not many people know what Christmas means, though. Although it's the one thing everyone might know, it's not something everyone knows the meaning of. And in fact, it's the one thing everyone needs to know. Let's look at our Galatians passage. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman... Born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons Because you are sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba father So you are no longer a slave, but a son and since you are a son God has made you also an heir So really to prepare for Jesus second coming our eyes should be focused on his first coming or I should be focused on the manger where he was born. Because Christmas is so much more than just him being born. It's about his life and his death and what that means for us. So what does it say here in Galatians? It says that, that he was born just like you and I were. Born of a woman. Except he was born without sin. And he was born just like you and I were. The same expectations to live a perfect life if you want to please God. But the thing is that, that Jesus did that. Being under the law means that he had the expectation of not sinning once, not making one mistake, being perfect. And he was, for you and for me, to redeem us. And the other way that he redeemed us was by dying on the cross to pay the price that we couldn't because we couldn't fulfill the law. We couldn't be perfect. Right? So what does it say that, that we become? It says that we receive the full rights of sons and daughters. The full rights of sons and God because of what Jesus did for us. So that means that you are a son or a daughter of God Most High. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings because of Jesus. And then it says that God doesn't stop there. That because of Christmas... God sends the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts so that we can believe this. Because without the Holy Spirit, 
It's just, it's nothing to us. We can't understand it. But God gives us his spirit so we can even cry out and say, God, you are our father. And so we can believe in things like the second coming and Jesus' first coming. And then finally, what does it say here? It talks about an inheritance. Because if, if you're a son or daughter, a lot of times sons and daughters get, in, get inheritance from their parents. And we get an inheritance from Almighty God. And it's a lot better than stocks and bonds or material possessions or a car. It's eternal life in heaven. It's perfect life in heaven with, with all believers. And scripture says we're going to inherit a mansion that Jesus is preparing for you and me right now. Until he comes back to take us home to it. So our third point here is that God wants our main focus to be on what he has done for us by Jesus' first coming. So in order to prepare for his second coming, really keep your eyes focused on what it means to have Christmas, to celebrate Christmas each month. Or each year. Now, with, with our faith firmly rooted in Jesus, when we look at the last day, we, we can prepare for it, not with trembling and fear like the Thessalonians, but we can be excited. Because this is the one thing we've been waiting for. We've been waiting to go home. We've been waiting to, to live in our mansion that Jesus is preparing for us. But now, Jesus doesn't treat this very lightly he tells us that since we know he wants us to prepare so let's go back to our beginning verses here and we'll start in mark chapter 13 we'll start at verse 34 and i'll read this again it's like a man going away he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with his assigned task and he tells the one at the door to keep watch therefore keep watch Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. A lot of us are familiar with a story like this because uh, a lot of us, when we go away for a vacation for a while, we might ask someone to watch our house for us. Now imagine you came back from a nice long vacation and uh, you get up to the front door and it's wide open and all your valuable possessions are, are unprotected and the person that's supposed to be watching your house is sleeping on the couch and you can hear them snoring and uh, you even see a little pool of drool on the couch because they, they've been out that long, all right? How would you feel? Probably not very secure. Now, I saw my mom just laughing because she knows that when I was a kid, I was not very good at this. Uh, I had a habit of leaving the garage door open all the time, and uh, it's kind of one of those things that I've carried into my married life as well. And uh, so, you know, when you get home and you see that garage door open, it's not a very good feeling, right? You'll feel a little unprotected. Well, Jesus is the owner of the house here, and we are his servants. And so what he's telling us is that He doesn't want to find us spiritually sleeping. He wants to find us protecting things and keeping watch. So how do we do that? I'm giving you three examples here of how to keep watch. Okay, and the first one, I want you to bold, I want you to circle, I want you to put stars, smiley faces, whatever you want to do, to show that it is really the only way, it is really the best way to prepare, and that's word and sacrament. 
God tells us in his word, in the Bible, that faith comes from hearing the message. So read your Bibles. Have devotion with your family. Attend a growth group where the word of God is. That is fuel to keep, to keep your faith burning bright. And that's the only place where we find it. And sacrament, I'm, I'm talking here about Holy Communion. Take communion. And if you haven't taken 201 class, make sure to sign up for that so you can learn about communion and participate with us here at Crosswalk. These are really the most important ways to prepare. Stay in the word. Participate in the sacrament. Now, I'll give you some others. Prayer. A lot of you know the power of prayer. I love it when we see comments on our, on our communication cards about prayer worked. My prayer was answered. We get that all the time. And it's so comforting to know that, that people know that prayer isn't just a tradition. It's something that really works. Because God says, pray without ceasing. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Constantly be in communication with God. That keeps your mind focused on more heavenly things than, than just on yourself. And, and don't think that when you pray, you always have to close your eyes and bow your head. When you're driving, you can pray. Just pay attention to the road as well. But you can pray in so many different situations. And lastly, I want to tell you about serving the owner. That's the last way to prepare. If Jesus is the owner, a great way to prepare for his coming is to do things that we know would please him. The Bible tells us that when someone hears the word of God and puts it into practice, it's as if they built a house on solid rock. That when waves and wind come, nothing's going to shake that because they're built on a solid foundation and they've put their words into practice. And in the book of James, it tells us, don't merely listen to the word of God, but do what it says. Serve the owner. How can you serve the owner? What gifts do you have that maybe you could put into better use? And you know a really great way of focusing on the end times, focusing on Jesus' second and first coming, is to tell someone about him. Tell someone about Jesus. That's a great way of focusing. So our fourth point... Is that although we don't know when Jesus will come, we can still prepare for it. We can still prepare for it. Now there's one more message left in this coming soon series. And I really hope that this series has prepared you to think about what the end times are going to be like. What the last day will be like. And, and we'll really finish on a good one next, next week with Pastor Jeff. But I also hope that today you realize to really prepare your hearts for his first coming as well. Because his second coming and his first coming are both coming soon. Amen. Let's take a look at our next steps here. Focus on Christ's first coming, Christmas, by reading the first two chapters of Luke. It's the Christmas story. So maybe have your family sit around and, and, and read that. Read that soon. Second is choose one of the ways we can keep watch from the bolded items and pay extra close attention to that this week. I, I always hope that you pay attention to word and sacrament, but, but pick one of these three and really focus in on it. Maybe say, I'm going to really try to pray this week a lot. 
I'm really going to try to find out how I can serve God. And then finally, meditate on and memorize Mark 13 to 35. And now let's join in the prayer that Jesus taught us, which is the Lord's Prayer. We begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.